0: You are listening to World Harvest Church's weekly podcast. WHC is a cross-cultural church with passion for reaching the lost and hurting. We are mission-minded and committed to raising up generations of mighty men and women of God. If you're in the Atlanta area, check us out on Sunday mornings at either 9 or 11.15 a.m. or on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. From wherever you're listening, we hope this week's message empowers you to grow and go. Everybody here has a God given purpose. Everybody. Everybody here is a God given call. Sometimes we, rele- we relegate it to ministers. Well, you're a minister. Oh, that you should get the call. I've got news for you. You are a minister too. Everybody say I am a minister. It's the absolute truth. And we got to get this thing that it's not just for the fivefold ministry, because there are callings for the fivefold. But there are callings on every life, and they're equally important. There's no one more important than the other. And living, we gotta just, it's so easy to live life chasing the world's ideals. But God has a life for us, and it's and it's about discovering our purpose on the planet. This is huge. I give businessmen a book, I read it years ago, called Halftime. Halftime by Bob Buford. Good book. Get it, read it. It's about corporate America. It's about people that are making a lot of money. And about halfway through their life, they go, is this it? I mean, seriously? And it's one example after another where people who make a lot of money, all of a sudden they do a shift in midlife and say, no, I want to make a contribution to humanity. I want to do something with what I've been making To help other people. Because you see, life is not just about your success. Life is about helping other people become successful. And you can only become successful when you know Jesus Christ. And what happens in our life, we get caught up with things that are temporary. Because you're either living for this world or you're living for the world to come. But everything in this world is temporary. It's passing. It's passing. James 4.14, he says, but what is your life? It's a question. What is your life? It is nothing but a vapor, a puff of smoke. Here today, gone tomorrow. So a church is where we reset our priorities and look at really what's important. But let me just say, if I had to put this down for every believer here, what is your number one goal in life? According to the word. What is the most supreme thing you should chase? What is the apex of your living on this planet? I would say this according to the word of God. The number one priority in your life is to discover the ministry God's called you to do and to do it. That's it. The rest is secondary. Secondary. It doesn't really matter compared to what God says matters. It's so important we understand that the purpose of God for our life. And one of the most profound scriptures regarding this is found in Acts 13, 36, talking about David. It says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep. David served the will of God. You know, the Bible says that David was a man after God's uh, heart. And I believe it's because he wanted the purpose of God. And God gives him some praise here. He fulfilled the call of God. I don't know about you. Should the Lord tarry? I want that on my tombstone. Not he built this, he did that. Did you fulfill the call of God on your life? That's the only thing that matters, folks. The rest is trivial. You say, Pastor, you're shaking me up. Good, good, good. Another translation says, David served God's purposes in his own time. So you got to always ask the question, what am I really living for? What am I living for? So if we focus on this world, we just focus on how we can make this world successful for us, or we can focus on eternity. And the Bible says that things of this world are so temporary. In, in Matthew's Gospel 6, it, it says, don't lay up for yourselves, Jesus says, treasure on earth, where moth and rust corrupts. Thieves break through and steal. Meaning that whatever you have here, inflation will either take it away or something else will happen or they, or they can steal what you have. How many of us had something stolen? I remember one time I had a, he said, "Oh my God! There, there it was. I was in South Africa. I had my nice SLR camera, and I was in a booth, a phone booth at the airport. Well, the booth wouldn't work, and there was nobody else. They were like a booth of eight. So I'm out here. I go to the next booth to get my car. Back then, we had to use the, you know, the, the pay phone. I'm doing all the special call, and I'm, t- I'm talking. And then I, I finish. I hang up. I go. My camera's gone." My camera, my nice SLR. And I'm looking around, and there's a man walking very fast for the exit. And he's got my camera. And I ran up to him. I said, sir, that's my camera. You know, he said, no, it's not. It's my camera. Oh, I see you. You're to have to come on now. I said, so I got a hold of the strap. I said, sir. I look around. This is my camera. No, it's not. It's my camera. And he keeps on walking. I'm pulling. I said, sir. It's my camera. Excuse me. And then he took off running. But I got my camera back. There's nothing, there's, there's nothing like uh, losing something. And um, before we had cameras in this church, people would just help themselves to stuff. So I put cameras in here. I remember never the time, I, my great joy was capturing this thief taking a brand new piece of equipment right out the door. But I caught him. I called the Roswell police, and he served his time. If you steal from us, we'll forgive you, but you're going to jail. Amen. <laughs> it's, it's, but things are temporary, are they not? Everything is so temporary. You know, it was not a church member. It was a visitor. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Actually, it was. It was a contractor that we had hired who went south. Um, I like what this one person said. This world, this world is poor because her fortune is buried in the sky, and all her treasure maps are here on earth. The treasure's up there, folks. It's not down here. We have to recognize it constantly. So we've got to focus on God. God, what is my purpose? That, that should be a driving passion of your life. What is my purpose? What am I called to do? When we focus on God and we focus on his purpose and we capture that purpose, then all of a sudden life takes on a full new meaning in your life. But we got to live on purpose. you got to find out what your purpose is and live it. On purpose, on purpose, I'm living for God. On purpose. Now, I want to say that your greatest call is the heavenly call. It comes from heaven. And there are many people that can we can go through that, that say, Hey, these guys were called of God. People like Jeremiah, I'll get into them just in a minute. But there's a divine call on your life. When God made you, He made you unique. No two people are the same. No two fingerprints are the same. You're unique. In the way God composed you physically, emotionally, and the gifts he gave you, the whole combination is unique. And in the combination, he's got, here's what I've called you to do for me. And we have to be set down on this earth to find out what it is. And we have to believe it. And life, life is more than your family. It's life is more than your career. And so we look at examples, Jeremiah Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Now that tells me if God can do that to Jeremiah, then God can do that to Mary, Bob, Sue, Harry. And it's a great word against abortion because God says before you were even formed, I knew you. 57 million people later in America that that we have murdered. I wonder how many Billy Grahams were in there, Billy Sundays. I wonder what the kind of men of God, women of God, God had raised up. But Satan is after the seed. So Jeremiah was called before he was born. And then we look at another one, Isaiah, Isaiah 49, 1 through 5. Just some of the parts of the scriptures is the Lord has, has called me from the womb, from the matrix of my mother. He formed me from the womb to be his servant and to bring Jacob back to him. God called him for that. You know, my parents, when they met, they stayed in London for a number, for a part of their early marriage. And when I was in my mother's womb, there was a famous preacher back then. That was their pastor called Alan Redpath. In the evangelical circles, he's a big name. But that was the church they were sent out for as missionaries. And my mother told me this. She says, I went down to the altar when I was fully pregnant with you. And I had Alan Redpath lay hands on you and dedicate you for the cause of Christ. And I'm telling you, I believe in callings. And I believe in the anointings to release the calling. My father, before he passed, I called my three kids. I put them in three chairs. Remember that, guys? In front of the fireplace. I said, Dad... I want you to lay hands on my three children and bless them, impart to them the anointing that's on your life. And he prayed over every one of them, prophesied on them. And I believe part of the reason they are doing what they're doing today is because of the calling that my dad had and imparted it to my children. I believe in it. Amen. Amen. But the most important thing in your life is the call. And you don't have to say, "Well, what I've been living my life doing other things." But no, God, you can start. You can start right now. Smith Wigglesworth was fifty-eight before he jumped into the call. I was reading about a man uh, who was in, the, in his mid-sixties, who was a farmer, and he always felt he had a call. But his wife said, "No, you're not supposed to call. You're a businessman." No, I got a call. No, you're a businessman. Well, finally, in 66, every kid had left. Every bill was paid. The the farm was paid for. What's stopping me now, mama? She said, okay. He said he launched, and from mid-60s to mid-80s, he became the greatest preacher of his denomination. He traveled around the world, around the country. So let me say this. Never say never. God's not done till it's over. And God can extend your life because of the call. People have asked for the good. Smith Wigglesworth was asked for 15 more years. God gave it to him. John Wesley asked for 15 more years. God gave it to him. When it comes to the call, when I was being smitten with cancer and I was fighting death, the one thing that drove me more than any other thing was that, Lord, you put me on the earth for a purpose and a call, and I want to fulfill the call. If you are dying, give God a reason to heal you. Amen. Give God a reason to heal you. You've got to understand that with God everything is the call. It's about the call. And then we look at Esther, Esther 414, where Mordecai admonishes his niece, because she's swinged, well, I can't go to the king. If I go to the king, Asherah, and tell him, I could die. She said, Listen, he says, Who knows? Whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And looking at history, God sent Esther. He made her very pretty. The king picked her. And she got to change history for the Jewish nation. That's a call. Everybody say, a call. And then we look at John the Baptist. Luke 1:15 through 17. You can look it back up later. But he said, he shall be great. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, this man will have the spirit of Elijah on him. And when he preaches, he's going to cause many to come back to the Lord their God. That was his call. We look at Paul, Acts 9. He said, he is a God. Jesus talking to Ananias about Paul. He's a chosen vessel to me to bear my name to the Gentiles and to the Jews, the children of Israel. And then later in 26, he said, Lord, he said, God has called me. And made me a wit- and minister and a, and, a, and a witness to open the eyes of the blind. He said, I'm, I'm here to break the power of Satan, push back darkness and bring the light of the gospel. That's my call. Now listen, if all these people, and I can go on and on and on. They had a call. God does not put you on the planet and say, you know what? You're a hyphen. You know what? You're a blank space. You know what? You're just a take-up space. No, you are too wonderfully made. God made you with a purpose and a call. And our job is to discover that call and to fulfill the call. And you got to get serious about it. And I believe you cannot discover it outside the body of Christ. You must be plugged into the church. We've made church a side issue. Church is not a side issue. Church is the issue for your life. Well, I'll go to this one, i got go. I'll come Why I won't come. No, 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 no. You understand something? The church is a spiritual entity. In the eyes of God, everything in the earth is about the church. It's about a relationship with one another and with him. That's what life's about. Yeah. Everything else is just, is basic rubbish, trash. It's all leaving. It doesn't matter. Are you calling my family rubbish? I didn't mean to say that. But what I'm saying is in comparison, To the call of God. So, I want to ask this question. What is your life centered on? Is it centered on your career? Is it centered on your family? Is it centered on recreation, hobbies, sports? Is it centered on money? Is it centered on relaxation, fun? Is it centered on Retirement, which I don't believe in. If you're retired, get out of retirement. What is it centered on? Whatever you're centered on, outside of Christ, becomes your idol. And God says, I don't want to have no idols before me. So it comes very serious, this matter of following God. It's not a light issue with him. And so we've got to say, okay, what am I building my life around? You've got to get to the place where, no, I'm going to build my life centered on Jesus Christ. My life is centered on eternity. My life is centered on my call. And I'm going to find out what that call is and what my ministry is, and I'm going to fulfill it. Now, listen, God is a very smart businessman. He doesn't promote people that are not faithful in little things. You say, well, what's my ministry? You can't sit here in in, in the seat, I have a mighty ministry from God. Well, could you usher? No, I'm waiting. For the mighty ministry to manifest. Well, could you help the children? No, I'm still waiting. Listen to me. You'll still be waiting when Jesus shows up. Because Jesus says, can you do little things? Can you park a car for me? Can you do things that in your mind seem insignificant but to the mind of God are very important? God promotes those that are faithful. If you're faithful a little, he'll take you to the next level. You do that, he'll take you to the next level. Amen. I was not just walking down the street one day. And all of a sudden, you're called to the ministry. Angelic hosts began to sing light around me as I stepped into the church pulpit doesn't work that way, folks. It doesn't work that way. Since this high, I've been working in the church. And I grew up, I, I was always involved in church. And the older I got, the more and more I got involved in church because I realized that as I matured, I got to understand it's all about serving God. It's all about giving away my life. You see, your life, to be significant, you've got to give it away. It can't be just for you and your success. It has to be something bigger because you're made for it. Higher. And so when we center on Christ, we center on the ministry he wants to give us. That's it, folks. That's life. Let's pray. Lord, no, I'm not kidding. (laughs) Some people, Christianity is like a bus, they ride it only when it's going their way. No, sometimes God will ask you to do things that are not always what you want to do. You gotta do things when you don't feel like doing it. Who wants to do? I don't want to work with teens. I don't even like teens. I think the millennials need deliverance. We love the millennials. We all need deliverance. We're all getting out to where we need to be. But it's but it's the issue so. The church has got to be so become more important. And so the Bible talks about don't live an aimless life, 1 Peter 1.18. Don't live an aimless life, aimless conduct. In the eyes of God, if you're not focused on the kingdom, not focused on your purpose, if you are focused on other things, that's called an aimless life. Now, these are good things. Family, career, good time. These are good things. Don't get me wrong. Amen. Thank God for family. Thank God for jobs. Thank God for careers. Thank God for relaxation in Jesus' name, which I could learn to take more of. But let me tell you what. Thank God for all these things, but they pale in significance to the call of God. That's what I'm trying to say. We must center on Jesus because otherwise it's possible to live on the earth and waste your life. Well, I've achieved these things in life. But it doesn't have a tie into the kingdom. It's a waste. Some of you out there, the Bible talks about it. Romans 12. Make money and make a lot of it. It's called the ministry of giving. Some people can make money on a flat rock. They've got numbers. It just comes. They just see it. I really believe what makes money, people, they see the end where we only see halfway and then the beginning. Amen. People launch into business where people with money and say, oh, that's going to fail because this, 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 and this. I watch these people going to retail. That's why I couldn't, I don't like retail. I'm a salesman. Get out there where the market is. But in re- retail, you hang a sign. Now, if you're in retail, bless you, and I'm sure if for you it's working. I'm just saying, but you watch people. they got to pay this huge space. The landlord's getting all the money. And you're sitting there. Uh. I'm waiting for them to come in. I come in there. No, no, no. Got to get out there. You got to get out there and bring it to market. Thank God for social media. You'll go out there and get it in Jesus' name. Amen. But you got to understand that this is uh. We are here, scripture says, not to please ourselves or other people. We are here to please God. Who has our false? obligation. 1 Thessalonians 2, four that comes out of. And so it comes down to this. We got to find our purpose. We got to find our purpose. And I know in my own life, you just take a step to the next step, the next step, next step, and one step leads to another step. That's what happens around here. I love the fact that we have 501Cs here out of that, that operate like popcorn. People are always, I'm going to 501C3. God's giving me a, a ministry. Here's my next step. Here's my next step. We encourage that here. It's an open heaven here. You know what I am? I'm a ladder holder for you. Get on the ladder. I want to help you get up the ladder. What's your ladder? It's the calling and purpose of God. And when you get to one rung, I say, go higher. When Go higher. And we've launched ministries all over the world that come out of this church. They're all over the world, all over the U.S., but it came out of here. I'm honored with that because our whole deal is about sending you to a place where God's called you to minister and the calling of God. On your life. That's why I like we're a mission church. Because the call is to help people around the world. David served his generation in his time. The purpose of God on his life he fulfilled. Acts 13, 36. He did it. Way to go, David. But you know what? That speaks to me. I want to serve the purpose of God in my generation. Do you? I want to serve the purpose of God. And you'll notice the word serve. It must say serve. serve. Now we like the term minister. Uh, hello? I'm a minister. Oh. <gasps> minister. Well, you know what we're looking? It's diaconus, which is we get the word deacon from, which we get the word servant from. Well, what's the word, or what's the definition of servant? You want to hear it? Worker. What's the definition of serve? Work. Work. Now, I like the ministry, the ecclesiastical garb. I like the cross or the gold chain. No, no, it's not about that in Jesus' name. But the Bible says that he, uh, out out of the passion, that David completed the work that God set out for him. This has got to be our goal. A life well lived is a life that's lived for the purpose of God. That's what it is. And so we've got to capture that. But then if we've got to serve, well, who am I serving? What am I doing? God gives us two arenas of service, makes it very simple. The first arena is we serve the body of Christ. Who's that? You, 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 you. The body of Christ is, is are made of believers. We serve one another. We serve. In fact, the Bible gives me a job. Out of Ephesians 4:11, that I'm a pastor. Verse 12, it says, "For what? I am here to equip the body of Christ for the work of the ministry, for the edifying." Of the body of Christ. In 416 it says. That we are knit together. Connected together. By what every joint supplies. A joint is a relationship. You have a supply. That someone else needs. They may need encouragement. They may need money. They need some advice about a job. They need some advice about business. Or the, the children's worker. They need some help. And you can supply your help. You see, there's a supply. Say, I have a supply. I have a supply. And you see, but every joint supplies, and the Bible says at the end of the verse, that it might grow thereby. God wants his body built, strengthened, and growing. And what this comes to is this. Every believer, every believer has a ministry. To the body of Christ, both local and universal, and I fully believe we are not just about this church. If anybody knows me, we help other churches because you know what? It's not about me. It's not about this church. It's about the body of Christ. So whenever we go on missions, guess what? We don't charge a dime. When we go on missions, we end up giving the money. I mean, good offerings. I, I, I when I went to the uh, Tulsa, the pastor, he couldn't believe it. I said, we we're paying for everything. But, you know, they, they bought our meals, but I gave a check to cover that. And then I gave another check to, just to bless them. And they, he, he called me up this week and said, I can't believe you're doing this. I mean, you, you sent a whole team. You served for a week. You gave everything. You didn't cost us a dime. You helped push our church and launch it. And you give offerings. Yeah, because you're the body of Christ. I serve you because I serve Christ. And I know when I build you up, I'm building up Jesus. So for so to be a Christian and not have a ministry that helps the believer, you're a Because the purpose of God is the, is the is the is the is the apex of your life. It's what you're here for. We're not here for your job. or well, my family. Listen, there's something that supersedes your family. In the eyes of God, the body of Christ is the most important unit in the in the universe. Jesus came to bring people to Christ. You know, we got to get out there a lot more than we are. We're out there. I'm meeting people yesterday on the street and talking to them. Oh, there's so many hurting people. They're all around us. They just want someone to love them. Just someone to pray with them. Someone to help them. Which goes into the second phase of your ministry. Everybody say, minister to the believer, minister to the, minister to the, unbeliever. Minister to the unbeliever. God expects every believer to be involved. Reaching the world. Now, these are clues on the road of discovery. Clue number one my purpose is involved with building up the body of Christ. Clue number two is my purpose is involved in bringing the lost to Christ. Those are two guiding lights that you must understand involves your purpose. And it's not for some, it's for every believer. And I believe in these last days that God's anointing is going to touch the church and it's going to rise up like a mighty army and shed the selfish clothes and shed religious jargon and get really passionate and helpful to build the body of Christ and you're going to find a need in the body and meet it. You're going to find a hurt in the body of Christ and heal it in Jesus' name. It's going to happen to you. Every person in this church is going to find the purpose of God. Every purpose is going to be fulfilled in your life. You are not going to go to heaven and say, well, welcome in. But the Bible says he'll wipe tears from the eyes of heaven. It's the only time we have. I promise you the tears are going to be wiped from your eyes if you go to heaven and you say, here's what I should have done, could have done, but I didn't do it. I don't know about you, but I want to be all in. Everybody say all in you got to be all in. Jesus died for you. Jesus loves you. But Jesus needs you. Jesus needs you to build his body. Jesus needs you to help his body. Jesus needs you. And you need to understand that's your purpose. That's your calling. That's why you're here. Yeah. woo right. It's a good thing. Yeah, you can clap. Hallelujah. You can clap. Hallelujah. And so the Bible says that God's looking for a man. First, uh, I believe that's... Uh, Second Chronicles 16, 9. God's looking. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro. He's looking, 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 looking. Who will, who will go for me? Who will step in? Who will do it? Well, now, Lord, I'm busy. Well, Lord, I, I used to do that. The worst person to deal with in church is people that used to serve God. They got their street reach T-shirt in the closet. Yeah, I used to do that. Well, what are you doing now? Did you know this is a daily thing? Until you die. What are you doing? What are you doing? You know, I had a great example in my grandmother from England. She had, uh, let's see, eight children. You should see them in a row like a year apart. But I had great reverence for her. She was well-to-do, but she used her well-to-do-ness to help other people. Always, always, always in the church and doing things. I would, and I would watch her. Tea parties on the lawn once a month for women in the community. She'd bring in blind people from the blind thing. She just, just love on them. One day, every I'd like, I'd like once or twice a month, she had blind people. I remember as a kid in the house, I was scared spitless of these blind people because they come, come here, Sonny, come here, come here. I want to hold you, Noah. My God, I felt like I was in a horror movie. I'll be running her, hiding under the sofa. But looking back, I saw her love. She's always doing something. So I'd watch my grandmother, her life was about giving her life away so others could find God or build up the body of Christ, helping people, missionaries stay at her house. Just whatever she could do to build up. We must be involved in God's purpose. In Jesus' name. And it says this out of the NLT Bible, 1 Corinthians 9.21. This is Paul. I mean, if you look at Paul's life, he he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. His his passion was about fulfilling the call of God. It was all about the call. That was his life. It says in this in the NLT, 1 Corinthians 9.26, So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. I know what it's about. Philippians 3.14, he said, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is an upward call in all of us. It's a heavenly call. God has put something inside of you. And it's an upward call. And he says, I, I press to this call. And so sometimes you've got to have extra prayer. Sometimes you got to believe God. you got to, you know, and I, and I shared with you some things you can look at. What's your personality? What's your experiences? What's your abilities? What do you like to do? I mean, what's in your passion? Uh, Box down here. What is it? Well, I'm waiting for somebody to, to, to teach to. Well, let me tell you what I did. You want to follow me? I'd go to prisons on a regular basis. I taught there. I taught regularly at nursing homes. I'd go in the streets and share Christ. There's plenty of places to preach. You can go to Safe House once a month. You say, I want to preach for the next six months. Fine, we'll book you for six months. You can go to Pastor Seven. He has a service every single night, seven days a week. He has 70 women. He takes off the women from the bridges under Atlanta. And he puts two-hour service every day, and he, them and their kids, and he turns out champions. You could go there and teach every night. If you want to teach, oh, I can send you to Africa. You can teach all day. Oh, yes, they do. I remember Bishop Bishop Charles Johnson said, Hey, they want you to teach. Now it's going to be all day. I said, What now? We start at nine, we'll end at six. He was true to his word. I was told when I went to Thailand that I'd be teaching from i I'd be teaching 12 hours a day. I literally thought he was exaggerating. <laughs> I had all my notes, and I'm teaching about hundred people. Nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. Nine o'clock at night, we quit. By Wednesday, I ran out of notes. <laughs> and there was no Wi Fi. The only Wi Fi I had was a little cafe. If you sat in the corner and tilted the iPad like this, the little icon came up. And literally, I called Renee. Where is she? I called Renee. Renee Black- Blackwell. I said, I think I'm going to show sure it was you. I said, I was in entic- I said, Renee. Go to my notes. I need download. I remember watching. There's no one. Thank God. Oh, thank God. Thank God. I got something to say. Because you go hour after hour after hour. You want to teach? I'll send you there 12 hours a day. Help yourself for a week. That's why missions. Everybody's fighting for pulpits in America where thousands are waiting for you to preach all over the world. Amen. I'm trying to get out of this pulpit. So the Bible says God gave you something. Romans 12, 6, it says, having gifts differing according to the grace that's given us, let us use them. Everyone's got a gifting? Got to find it and use it. And I'll close with this because I think it's it's the cherry on top. John 13, Jesus has served. Now if you look at Jesus as the model minister, he was the servant of all servants. Wherever you see him, he's serving. In John 13, he's washing the disciples' feet. And then he says these words in chapter 13, verse 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. The passion says, so put into practice what I've done for you and you will experience a life of happiness enriched with untold blessings. I want to just say personally to my own life, I found the great paradox. The more I give my life away, to the body of Christ around the world. Give him money, time, encouragement. Go there myself. Serve. Wanting nothing back. The more I serve in this body and other bodies and just give my life away to bless, encourage, to teach, instruct, what happens on the inside of you is an elevation, excitement, fulfillment. Like I was made for this. So are you. The paradox of life is by giving your life away, you gain it back. By serving others, you pave the way for your own ministry to come to fruition. So every one of us is going to find our purpose. We're going to live life on purpose. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, today I thank you that there's a purpose on every life here today. You love every, every, everyone the same. No one is a favorite. You just call us, Lord, each by our name, but you've given everyone an assignment. And, Lord, in this life that we live down here, help us to keep our eyes focused on heaven. Help us to keep our eyes focused on the priorities of God. That, Lord, we thank God for our careers, for our families, for our wives, our children, husbands. We thank God for things we enjoy in this life because you've told us you give us all things richly to enjoy. But Lord, let us never forget that those are secondary to the call of heaven. There is a call of heaven on every life. That's why it's so important what church you attend. You must attend a church that will build your gifts and step you up into your calling. But there's a calling. There's a calling. And so during this time, I just want to ask you, where are you? Where are you? Are you pursuing the call? Or are you at a place where you have to say, you know, Pastor, this has really spoken to me. I've centered my life on a lot of things, but it's not about the kingdom. If I was really honest, it's secondary. But today I want to make it first, primary. I truly want to do what the, Jesus told me to do in Matthew 6, 33, to seek first the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven and his Righteousness. I want to be there, so I'm going to make a choice today. I'm going to make a decision. I want to go for God. I want to go for God. I want want God to take my life to reach the believer and to serve them and to reach the unbeliever and to win them. Lord, I want my life consumed with following after you, with following after your purpose. The time is short. Gabriel's trumpet will soon be blown and we're out of here. But I don't want to live a wasted life. I don't want to live a life filled with the purpose of God. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. If you're out there today and you say, you know, Pastor, I just like to, I need a reset. God's not mad at anybody here. He just blesses us to the level that we obey. But you say, yeah, I need a reset, I need a refocus. On what's most important? What's most important is the ministry God gave to my life. Hallelujah. So if that's you, you say, Yeah, that's me. I'm I'm praying. Would you pray for me for that reset? Just lift your hand and say, That's me. I want to reset. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands all over the place. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. If you're here today as well, and you would say to me, Pastor. In addition to that, I know my life's not right with God. The things in my life that's pushed me away from His presence. But today I want to repent. I want to turn around. I want God in my life. I want to push those things out of my life that separate me from Him. Or perhaps you're here, you've never been born of of the Spirit. You came with a friend. But Jesus, Christ, loves you. He gave His life for you. He gave His life for you. So you could get your life back. All you need to do is receive Him. To as many as receive Him, let Him give you the power to become the sons of God. So if you're here today, you're not right with God, you need to find Jesus today. Make Jesus your Savior today. If that's you, slip your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. That's what I want in Jesus' name. I want you to get right with God in the name of Jesus. All right. I want to have those who raise their hand just to stand real quick. I want to pray with you right now. Let's just pray. Just stand up in faith. If you didn't raise your hand, but you should stand up, just stand up. Everybody say this prayer. Say, oh, God, I believe I have a purpose from heaven. You call me from my mother's womb with a divine plan, a divine calling, a divine purpose. And Father, in Jesus' name, I make make a quality decision, a reset that I am going to seek your face and engage my life with pursuing the call of heaven on my life. I submit my life to your service. Use my gifts, O God. To build up your body and to win a lost world. In Jesus' name, I consecrate my life to the service of the King. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen? You may be seated. Let's hear the Lord a shout for that. Hallelujah! So let's receive the communion right now before we go but I'll just say this as you leave today there are plenty of opportunities for you to engage your life in the helps and I want to thank God for Tammy Dalton I don't know where she is here maybe she should be outside but she's a great lady she's with us about a year now if you raise your hand you will get a thank you Tammy left a great job to do this. She believed it. Can you imagine this? She was in charge of running all the MARTA buses in Atlanta, 600 of them from downtown. She's got stories, many stories. But here she is making great money, but God spoke to her because we, you know, we said, listen, we need a ministry helps director. So she left her job, and it's been phenomenal. But then Kevin gets promoted and promoted in his business. That's her husband. And next thing you know, he's got a great new job. He starts Monday with, like, the pay is out. The He's just telling me how blessed they are. Isn't that exciting? So she's out there. You can meet her, and you can say, okay, what can I do to serve? Amen. And some of you are serving. There's no rule that says you're going to have one ministry. Uh, I wash children every other month. One time. Okay. You might want to pick it up a little bit. Have something else. Amen. I'm just saying. If you pump the same weight every day for exercise, nothing happens. you got to keep adding more weights. Just a thought. Does everybody have the communion? Now, I want you to know this before I receive receive this communion that I love you with the love of God. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm trying to just love you into the blessing of God. Amen? That's all it is. I got to just tell the truth and tell it like it is, even though sometimes it slaps you a little bit. But then you needed it. Amen? Everybody say, I love the pastor, I love the message. I needed it. it. Okay, now let's receive communion. (laughs) For some of you who lied, you can ask forgiveness. (laughs) Father, we thank you for the broken body of Jesus. We're not here to play games, God. We want to be serious about our life with heaven, our life with you, Jesus. We are so thankful. We hold in our hand the elements that represent your death, your sacrifice, what it took for us to be brought back from hell. Thank you for this, your broken body. Lord, we receive healing from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. We receive whatever we need healing emotionally. We receive it even now. Everybody say, I receive the healing power of God as I partake of this wafer. Now, let's take it by faith. Let's receive in Jesus' name. The broken body of Jesus releases the power of God for healing. It's available to everyone here today. In Jesus' name, we receive the healing power. You peel back the foil. Lord, I thank you for the blood of Christ. We receive the blood into our lives. Forgive us, Lord, as we forgive others. Lord, wash our hearts with your blood. Lord, do a cleansing in us, a healing in us. That when we yield to you and follow you, Lord, it's a a joy. We surrender and we also submit to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the cleansing of your blood. Thank you, Lord. You make us new. Let's partake right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I know the time is a restraint, but here's what I want to suggest some of you do. Church is a place of reconsecration, rededication. Some of you raise your hand, say, listen, I want to have a Shift past Pastor will if you'd come up now, that at the end of the service, I'd like you to keep playing a little while longer, for about five, ten minutes, or five, seven minutes. But I want you to come up and just maybe just stand by the altar or kneel by the altar and just lay it down before God. Make a consecration. If you didn't even raise your hand, just make a consecration to God. You know, we're in a time of revival. We had meetings a minimum of five days a week or five services a week. We've had prayer meetings throughout the entire week. We're, we're, you know, uh, it's just a great atmosphere in this house. To say, God, I just want to surrender my life. Some of you need to make a prayer like, God, I'd like to know what the what what my purpose is. That's a legit prayer. Lord, show me what I'm supposed to do. Well, the way to do it is just humble yourself and come and kneel down before God. I don't have the time, but just ask God. Say, God. I want to do what's most important in my life, the purpose of God. And He will unveil it. And He will make it come about. As you do the little things, He'll unveil the bigger things. Make sense? Come on, Pastor.
1: Amen. If you are a guest with us today right out through those doors, down that hallway. We have a guest reception. We'd love for you to join us. We won't take all your time. Just want to have a cup of coffee with you, get to know you a little bit. And um, why don't you guys stand up? Stretch your legs a little bit. The altars will be open at the end of the service, and I would ask that if you're leaving, go out the side doors, and if you could take your... Uh, communion cups with you. There'll be receptacles there that you can put those in. And also, I'm asking that you will respect the work that the Holy Spirit will be doing at the altar. Okay? So that means leave a little bit quietly. Oh, yes, I'm getting there. Well, thank you. That's my guy. Also, don't forget, you see, you can go out these doors here and go around. It's a beautiful day out. Go by, visit the ministry tents. If you don't have at least, no, if you don't have a ministry, go sign up for a ministry. You know, just step out. Just step out. You say, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Step out. Just do something for God. And God will meet you right there. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love, for your grace. Lord, we want to follow your example. You were a worker. You served the body of Christ. But you served your body. So we thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have to follow your example. Now, Lord, even through the rest of this week, Father, I pray that you would pour us out, that you would use us as an example on our workplace, in our homes, at school, in our families, oh, God. Use us, Father, for your divine purpose and glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Go the peace of the Lord. Thank you once again for listening to World Harvest Church's podcast. World Harvest Church is pastored by Pastor Merrick and Linda Hufton in Roswell, Georgia. If you're interested in learning more about
0: us, please visit our website at whcga.com. Like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel by typing WHCGA into
1: the search bar on both platforms. And we hope you have a blessed week.